Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff, Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy, footy podcast. It's unbelievable! Yes, hello. It is the Tuesday edition of the Darf and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet if you download the Tab Touch app. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. We have in the studio with me, Mark Duffield, the senior footy writer of the West Australian. We have the blind squirrel and the man with very small hands, Glenn Quartermain Quarters. What jumped off the page at you at the weekend? I'm just surprised you're not wearing sunglasses. <laughs> well, with all the silverware that's about to come your way. Oh, come on. Just, just back the truck up. Why? Get the lid back on. Oh, no, the lid's off. On. Oh, no. On. The lid's off. <laughs> Very impressive, your boys. That was a really good weekend of footy. Some absolutely cracking games. Um, the uh, Sydney-Melbourne game, Hawthorne and Collingwood, great games. Bit of breaking news today, though, Duff. Yeah, just before you get to the breaking news, I want to add another great game into that. I can't speak... Uh, actually, two great games. Watch two waffle games on the telly on the yes. weekend. The Saturday uh, Peel-Subiaco game. Cracking game. Watch Nathan Fife run around. Um, and on Monday, the Port Derby in front of 6,000 people at Fremantle Oval. Oh, my boys. Absolute cracking game. Um, the Sharks very stiff, even though I am Cam a um, South Fremantle supporter. How's he feeling today? Uh yeah, <laughs> you know what? He had to adjust his leg swing to hit the ball. That's how bad the ball drop was. And and it, uh, pro Cam Early because Cam Early is a really really good kick. Yeah. So uh, well, there are many at moments in games, aren't there? So there but are. but when you when you've got the opportunity to win one, it does hurt. Um, I managed to convince the young fella Tom, my youngest, to go for the Sharks, and he went along to the game. It was his first game at Frio Oval, actually. How did he take it? Oh, it was. He, Disappointed. Disappointed, you'd <laughs> fair to say. <laughs> All right, so you've got some breaking news. I have. Uh, so I'll read out a statement from the Melbourne Football Club, Duff. The Melbourne Football Club is aware of an altercation that occurred in Paran on Sunday evening between Stephen May and Jake Melksham. The incident occurred at approximately 9pm following dinner with several teammates at a restaurant. Uh, follow, uh, this is a statement from Alan Richardson, the General Manager of Football Performance. Following a dinner on Sunday evening, uh, Jake and Stephen informed us of a scuffle, Duff, that took place after a light-hearted disagreement between the pair escalated. Both Jake and Stephen had been drinking at dinner and are, and are incredibly remorseful that things played out the way they did. Given Stephen is under the AFL concussion protocols from round 11, he was aware that under club guidelines he should, should not have been drinking. 
the leadership group has recommended to impose a one-match ban on Stephen, a decision which has been endorsed by the club's broader leadership. This will make him unavailable for both the AFL and VFL selection. I believe Jake will be doing some community service stuff and um, Stephen will be unavailable for this week. He may not have been available anyway due to the concussion protocols. It's pretty big concussion he copped um, a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, yes, uh, little cracks may be starting to emerge in at Melbourne. He's taking an interesting approach to the concussion protocols, mm. I have to say. Mm. One is drinking alcohol, which would be a no-no. Two is putting himself in a position where he might get another smack <laughs> in the head. It's yeah, probably right. a... Uh, um, there's a reason why boxers don't box for a month after they get into <laughs> concussion. Um, okay, so that's... Yeah, well... Well, look, they've, they've got on the front foot. They've suspended him for a week. They've got out there. So uh, interesting times at Melbourne, two in a row, Duff. Ah, cracks emerging. Well, the other thing is that one of the cracks is no Stephen May. It is. Isn't it? You know, he comes off the field at quarter time in the game against Fremantle and they struggle to contain the Fremantle forwards from that point on. They trade very heavily on assertive defence and they trade very heavily on the intercept marking of Lever and May. Mm. Um, and without May playing that assertive defence and taking those marks, they've looked a bit... They've looked a bit lethargic in their ball movement from the back half. Yep. And they've also looked vulnerable to tall attacks. They have. I'm not too concerned about Melbourne at this stage. I think they needed a loss. I'm not saying they needed two losses. Yeah. But uh, they did get the jump at the weekend and just weren't able to... And were overrun by a very impressive side. I'm not too worried. I think with with, uh, May in particular, and he will come back into the side obviously pretty soon, uh, I think there's an adjustment required because he's so pivotal to their whole back half set up. And so I'm not too worried about Melbourne at the moment. Another loss to Collingwood, though, and I'll start to think, well, this is maybe a little bit more than a hiccup. You know who they do need to get his finger out is Christian Petrarca. Christian Petrarca was – a few people did, you know, sort of like ranking top ten players in the competition for the first half of the year. Christian Petrarca was in a lot of top fives, and I'm – I have to say, if you look at his form closely, I'm not sure he's at that level. Well, I think it was early. I think against Frio, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. I reckon a couple of weeks before the Frio game. Crook, yeah. Yeah. Started to taper a little, then he was crook. Maybe he is suffering. I mean, who knows? He might be suffering from long COVID or something. I mean, I've had it for two months, stuff, so I'm suffering still. But... Uh, I certainly don't put any blame at the feet of Clayton Oliver. And at the weekend, I certainly didn't put any blame at the feet of Max Gorn. How good was, was Max terrific. Gorn on the That last quarter w- tried to will them over the line. Come on, boys, follow me. Such a great leader, such a great player. Uh, he was terrific. And look, that's why I just reckon Melbourne... I'm not too concerned at the moment. It's They sort of had to have a little slump. It was the recession they had to have, Duff. But um, I think they'll bounce back and they'll still be... They're, they're, they're still the team to beat. But I tell you what, they're queuing up behind them, including your boys. Brisbane showing a little bit of vulnerabilities at the back half. You can catch them with a quick forward line. But uh, I still think... Uh, I still haven't got Geelong in there. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm a wait and see. I've got I've, I've got I've got Melbourne, Brisbane, Frio at this point, and the rest of them I'm not sure who my fourth is. It's not Sydney. I think Sydney's really impressive. I don't think they're ready yet. It it's might so- be your in the meat of mediocrity. St Kilda? Yeah. No, not for mine. Gee, I don't know. I reckon it's a race between those three at this point. You know what? And I reckon Frio. And seriously, I'm not joking here. I think they are up to their eyeballs in it right now. Right now, yes. Right now, Fremantle is playing as good a football as anyone 
in the competition, but it is round 12. I agree. Totally agree. But right now is all we can talk about, Duff. Yep. We are not Nostradamus. We can't predict what's going to happen. We can try. We are blind squirrels. We are blind squirrels every now and then. (laughs) But I really like the way you're going about it. Um, Players just gain. You can see them um, gaining in confidence as each week unfolds. Uh, You can see the confidence also in the coach. Yeah. Look, and we've been saying this for two years about Fremantle, the method. Mm. We love the method. And, and you know what the essence is? I've been trying to break down the Fremantle method. It, yep, speed is a big part of it. And not just speed across the ground, but speed on the ball and that sort of thing. But you know what? If you break it down to a couple of underlying principles, I reckon it's this. Every player, no matter how far forward you play, has a role to play in team defence. And every player, no matter how far back you play, has a role in team attack. And it's like that soccer team that had that, um, that brand called Total Football. You know, and and the method is great. Is that not a method employed by all the premiership sides in recent times? They've all been really accountable. Everyone seeks it. Not everyone nails it. Yeah. So, like, Melbourne had it going for a fair while last year. They had it going because May and Lever were flying, Christian Salem was flying, um, the other blokes in defence played around them, and, and their front half was, you know, a couple of tall targets and then a lot of busy bees at ground level, um, you know, hunting and, and really putting pressure on. And, of course, in the middle, they had the one, two, three, four, five punch. Gorn, Oliver, Petrarca, Viney, mm. Brayshaw, ouch. So that's what they had going for them. And it's a bit disjointed and stuttery and clunky at the moment. I suspect they'll get back on track at some stage. And, of, and of all the teams in that little window, uh, there's one that gets back the most important player this week in that five. Yeah, so this is going to be the interesting thing. I watched him run around for Peel against Subiaco on the weekend. I would say, uh, having watched him play around, they absolutely made the right decision to run him around the waffle. He wasn't really running on top of the ground. Um, And in fact, look, I would have even been tempted to give him another one. Mm. Um, But I think it sounds like he's going to play AFL this week. And if it's going to be wet, as we're hearing it might be, I think that might not be a bad call. Another big, strong body um, in and around. Here's the question. Do you play him this week and then play him back at Peel in the bye round? Get some more footy in him? I'd be more inclined to play him and then train him really hard first week of the bye. I'd play him. I reckon as much footy, real footy as you can get into your legs as possible, I think will benefit him. Uh, really interesting language from him last night. So it looks as though he will be parked forward. He did have a laugh about his all-encompassing, the experiment. Oh, the experiment's over. Over. <laughs> He speaks very well, Nat. He's very he speaks smart really bloke. Well. Yeah, very smart bloke. Speaks very well. Um, you know, he's a superstar. That he will so benefit that footy team. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, be in- really interesting to see when he does gain full match fitness, what he morphs into. I suspect he he will play a lot more forward, but he could be playing that role when you know, break the glass when you need into the middle he goes. Don't don't body. forget that one tool he does represent to Fremantle is the ability to manage David Mundy a bit more. The big bodied mid. Yep. David Mundy is thirty six years old, and he still playing remarkably good footy for a 36-year-old. With ball in hand, David Mundy is as good as any Fremantle player on the ground. But when the opposition has the ball, David's age just means he can't get over the ground as quickly as possible and maybe provide cover defence. So um, they need David as fresh as they possibly can keep him going towards the back half of the season. And the presence of Nathan Fife in the team, I think, helps them do that. A lot of upside for Freo still, I reckon. Well... 
if you look at the team that played on the weekend, Chapman has to come in, and Ethan Hughes did nothing wrong. Um, Fife comes in. Well, so let's talk about that. Who's your out? Is it Darcy Tucker? It can't be Bailey Banfield. At halftime, it possibly was Bailey Banfield, but it simply can't be. So I suspect eventually, like you don't think that Bailey um, is going to bob up and kick four every week. No. If, he, if he does, he's still Well, playing. he stays in the side, yeah. Um, so, but you've got, you've got five to come in. So you would think Chapman for Hughes. You would think Tabana for Meek. You would think Fife for someone, probably Tucker, because Tucker has struggled a bit with the yep. high half-forward role. Um, but having said that, you don't want to tinker with the structure too much because the structure's working for them. Um, and then you've got to fit in Switkowski mm. and, um, and Walters. So, yeah, interesting challenge. Great. It's a great problem to have. Yeah, the other thing that, let's be realistic, right now Fremantle doesn't have an injury list. Mm. They just don't have an injury list. Um, you know, they have... Um, I think uh, Joel Weston is a couple of weeks away. Um, I think Erasmus and Johnson came out health and safety protocols on the weekend and uh, Nathan Wilson came out ill. So apart from that, they're pretty Holes much... apart from the team down the road, Duff. Well, yeah. And I, I was... Um, thinking on the way in, you know, there were those years gone by where you look at West Coast's injury list and you'd ask yourself the question, how come they don't get injuries? And you look at Fremantle's and Fremantle would have 10, 11 or 12 of their best 22 So, so just on West Coast, so by couldn't have come at a better time for them, really. It's just been a hard slog, a hard black slog. Yeah. But do you look at the glass half full last weekend? Because I tend to think that's a bit of an out for them. They had a lot of experience out in the park against Adelaide. It was in Adelaide. Uh, they win... The second half, they're pretty well after quarter time sort of got on top. But they still lose reasonably comfortably. Well, no, that. Got they, jumped in the first they quarter. They cough up five goals yeah, to zip in the first that's quarter. That's right. So is there an excuse there? I mean, I know they have to sort of celebrate and embrace small wins at the moment. But for me, so they avoided a bit of dodgy history, okay, which was – they'll say it doesn't count, but don't – it does. Well, clearly it did after half time. Yeah, yeah, 50, 50 plus. So they've dodged that one. But they still equaled their longest um, losing sequence. So these, these are stats they don't want to rack up. And so I'm not sure if I was that impressed with that performance at the weekend. Oh, I, I don't think you can be impressed with a 31-point loss. I mean, and if you're celebrating... To a, a, a fellow bottom four If team. you're celebrating a 31-point loss to a bottom six team, which Adelaide clearly are this year, then, yeah, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree and you're going nowhere. But if you're them... If you're them, you look at the second half and you go, we dug in and scrapped in the third quarter and made some headway and we actually made a run at them in the last quarter, which has not resembled anything we've done in the last... Had a fair bit of territory in the last quarter too. You know, I look at it and I look at... Shuey stayed out in the park and was was among their better players uh, for another week. Gaff, ditto. And also Jack Darling, Darling. probably two weeks in a row, has looked like a bit more like the Jack Darling of old, hasn't he? Yeah. So they were the things, my takeaways, that one, they were able to generate some momentum. I called it flickering belief. I did a radio spot yesterday and said flickering belief. There was flickering belief there. Um, Darling played well and was a threat. Um, Shuey, I did love the fact that Shuey got to work around stoppages. See, I'm a bit of a... Two things on Luke Shuey. One, I think that if Luke can't glue his body together over the back half of the season, he should retire. Two, it was probably a mistake for Luke to go on as captain 
this year, given the fragile state of his body. But three, just so people know how I view Luke Shuey, I'm a massive Luke Shuey fan, and I believe that Luke Shuey's best footy over the past 10 years has been the best footy played by a West Coast well, player. Every, there's a, everyone's a fan of Luke Shuey's. No one's yeah. not a fan. It's so, just that when you're battered and bruised and you're soft tissue affected like he is at the moment, it's hard to see the long-term view. Yeah. that's you know. it. So that's I think Luke needs to be flawless and setbackless. Yeah. Between now and the end of the year, otherwise it's time. I mean, and when you are flawless in your preparation, as we know he is, but when you just keep copying these injuries, they are old man, men, man's injuries relatively. I'd speak in football terminology here. Mm. But so, yeah, well, it'd be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Gold Coast v North Melbourne Duff. Now, uh, Gold Coast. Who does this say most about, Gold Coast or North Melbourne? Oh, it says, well, it says it about both, actually. It says that Gold Coast now are winning the games they should when they should put teams away. 29 inside 50s in the second quarter. So that was, so now they're calling for, so I guess the first thing is the metrics from last year haven't improved at all they should have. In fact, they've gone backwards, right? Some people will say, well, you'll get that with a young list. I want to see those metrics improve, okay? So I'm talking about, you know, Average scores against, inside 50s, contested possession, all the metrics you want to see, a little bit of incremental improvement, none at all for North Melbourne. You know what sickened me this week is calls for the priority draft picks for North Melbourne. Now, I'm sorry, but I don't, I'm not a fan of priority draft picks at all in any circumstance. That's what the draft mechanism is for. You can't keep handing these things out. It's just not fair on the rest of the competition. I don't do not give North Melbourne. They do not deserve any priority picks. There might be the future of a club at stake here. I'm sorry, Duff. But I know, but philosophically, I agree with you. But there may be the future of a club at stake here. So, I mean, I, I genuinely fear for North Melbourne now. So do I. In Melbourne, in Melbourne, I, I don't think they're going to Tassie. Well. I'm not sure they the, will have... The, 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 the noise from Tassie is we do not want a relocated club. Yeah, but you know what? Everyone has their their position A in a negotiation and then somewhere in the back room that they keep under wraps and every time it times to pull the door open, they slam it shut again mm. in case people find out they have a position B. To me, Tasmania's position on a um, football cl- team is very much position A is we want our own. But I wonder if the other clubs stand their ground, the other AFL clubs, and they say to the AFL Commission, we don't want a 19th club. We don't want a club going to um, Tasmania to start up. We don't want another weak club in our competition. And it will be hard for it not to be a weak club, mm. have to say. Then I think what we'll see is position B, which will be a relocation. And who's it going to be? Well, well c- clearly it's going to be North Well, the North. problem there is they need, the, they need to build the stadium first, don't they? So if they, if they haven't built the stadium... If it's a relocation, it's hit the ground running. But if yeah. it's a startup, it's three, four years, as it was with Gold Coast. Yeah. So maybe perhaps they need to say North Melbourne, if it is North Melbourne. And I agree with you. If it got to the point where they said to Tasmania, you can't have a stand, you can't have your own standalone, you can have a relocated North Melbourne or nothing, but you get them every, pretty well every week. You'd have you'd take that. Oh, I, I would take. Yeah, if I'm Tasmania. And being pragmatic and knowing that within 10 years' time, it's pretty much going to be your team anyway. Um, I would take 10 home games a year um, and probably 
I would let them play a couple of pre-season games in Melbourne to get their Melbourne membership yeah. looked after and up and running. And you wouldn't I'm have not, any any regular season games in Melbourne? I'd play one. I'd mm. play one home game in Melbourne. And I would also try and get a lot of games at a venue like the MCG where all of your Melbourne-based support could go along and maybe even um, get a, a section of the stadium um, circled off so they could all sit together um, and you can have a, a real Melbourne-based so If that game. happened, what I'd like to see, if they did get one home game, I'd like it to be the marquee Good Friday time slot. That's a good which call. Which they've worked along. They worked very hard for that with Pioneers. They're the first up. Yeah. So I, I would be fantastic if they were to relocate. Just that one game a year on Good Friday. Yeah. That would oh, be good, I'm wouldn't it? At, at uh, Marvel Stadium. And I'm sorry we're even having this conversation, Duff, but I just don't see any option at the moment. Yeah. I, from what I'm hearing, clubs are very iffy on support for a 19th licence. So what they need is a two-thirds majority to cancel it out, basically. So you don't need 100% unequivocal support for it. Mm. They just need two-thirds to veto it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm optimistic it's going to happen. Oh, yeah? I'm just not sure in what form. Yeah, well, if it happens, then obviously then you have... Um, then I really fear for North Melbourne. I fear for North Melbourne, period. Yeah. I wouldn't like to see a, 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 a lopsided number of teams. Well, because you're not going to get a full time team from the Northern Territory. But if you say to North Melbourne, you know, you stay here, we can't really support you. You go there, and we can, uh, and we can, and you keep your identity, as in the kangaroos. The kangaroos, yes. Were there many kangaroos in Tassie? Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, they got these little weird little pottery ones in a place called Wine Glass Bay. You've probably seen photos of it. It's a beautiful spot in the south. Uh, they've got these weird little tiny little miniature kangaroos there, like tiny little wallabies. Maybe it could be called the Ruettes. <laughs> they could be. <laughs> Saves them a problem, doesn't they it? They don't it. have to go down the Jack Jumpers line. I the Ruettes. I, yeah, I'm hearing you, mate. They yeah, didn't yeah. get eaten by the Jack Jumpers then. <laughs> or the Tassie Devils. Or the Tassie Tigers. Yeah, look, it's, I, just, I just don't want to see. I mean, obviously, if they do relocate and go to Tasmania, you could probably mount an argument for some priority selections. But um, I don't like to see it under normal circumstances. Um, anything else jump out this weekend? No, I just think um, oh, I love Sydney's effort against Melbourne. Mm. Um, and, and there were some real sort of um, recurring themes there, weren't they, for, for Melbourne? So the ability of Sam Reid. Sam Reid's an interesting player, isn't he? Like, jumps up every now and then to remind you how good he could be. Yeah. Just, just doesn't do it often enough. I remember watching him in 2012 and thinking wow isn't he going to be a player and even in the final series in 2012 when they won the flag um, and then he's had some injuries he's clearly a confidence player um, he got rolling on the weekend Logan McDonald rising, yeah. rising star yeah. on the weekend yeah well done Logan uh, we always knew I knew from the moment I saw him play waffle with Perth yeah he's going to be a player but he's just it's the opportunity isn't it so just showing uh, what he, what we always thought he had, and and in the clutch too, you know, right in the in the when the game had to be won, he's kicked the goals, yep. under pressure. So he's going to be some player. And doesn't Tom Papley love a goal? Yeah, you know the celebration though. I, I get the celebration, but thirty seconds after the celebration, still getting into your opponent's face, I don't like it. Yeah, have your moment, move on. There's a few blokes that are lucky they're not playing in the 80s. By, by the way, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. By the way, Chad Wingard went a bit early for the Hawks too. 
That was so classic. Keep, keep the goal waves to the Collingwood cheer squad. I watched that and I thought, oh, Chad, you've gone way too early. Where First of all, I might be dead <laughs> during the market contest. Then, uh, oh, yeah, that was, uh, that no, was okay. funny. Then, hang on a minute, there's a lane to goal yeah. and then... Oh, I'll give the crowd a bit while I'm on the way in. And then, unfortunately, Chad, you didn't win the no, game. No, you've got to win the game if you... Um, now, um, Geelong Western Bulldogs, really interesting game. Bailey Smith, two weeks. I'm happy with that. I yeah. think he deserved every bit of two weeks. I can't believe they took 24 hours to decide whether to challenge it or not. Like, well, you do because you can. Does someone remind... Yeah, but they're all whinging about soft cap money yeah. quarters. Yeah. The $10,000 you put up for the commission comes out of your soft cap. Like... When Lance Franklin hits Trent Cotchin, guys, they have these things called cameras. They have this thing called video. It's on film. It's not like Stephen May and Jake Melksham where we have to rely on word-of-mouth accounts to know what actually happened. It is on film. Yeah. Just take your lumps and get on with it. That was as good a Liverpool kiss as I've seen. <laughs> it was clearly a headbutt. Yeah. And uh, a little bit of the uh, cut there appearing from Tui's head too. So there's really no no hiding from that. Interesting over the weekend, Duff, umpire descent. So they've got they've eased down on um, they've eased up on umpire descent a bit. But it'd be nice of them to tell the punters in advance. Yeah, this is I... the mistake they make, Duff. They change rules on the run and don't tell the punters. So the punters are scratching their heads saying, hang on, wasn't there's a bit of, fair bit of dissent there and a fair bit of dissent over there. So how is this not going to be thin edge of the wedge with the players? Mm. Once they realise they can get away with a bit, and, and the commentators will aid and abet them on this, by the way, they'll go, oh, well, he's dissenting a bit, but that's, you know, that's not what the AFL wants paid as a 50, and then they'll dissent a little bit more, and within two years we'll be back where we were. 12 months ago. So we had a fantastic email. We gave away a carton last week from an umpire down in Albany saying, whether you like it or not, these rules that are in place have had a big effect on me umpiring at the community level. There's a lot more respect being shown to me by players. And I've seen it at my community level. There's respect from the crowd as well. So I would have liked them to maintain this policy uh, and not ease up at all and just at least get through this year. And if you're going to tweak it a bit, tweak it in the off-season. Here's another one that caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Damien Hardwick saying... Soft cap. Um, Richmond at a disadvantage. Damien, quick solution. Take a pay cut. Mm, exactly. Yes, we want we want half the coach's wage outside the soft cap, I think was his argument. Yeah, take a pay cut, mate. Mm. Solves the problem straight away. Yep. Don't whinge about rules. Should, should On a serious note, though, should, should the uh, senior coach's wage be outside the soft cap? No. No. It's interesting how it's brought the richer clubs back to the pack. Look at the ladder pre-COVID mm. and look at the ladder yep. now. That's a very fair call. So West Coast, Collingwood, Richmond, all up the top of the ladder pre-COVID. Where, uh, well, Collingwood's just clambered in they the bottom are. of the eight. Richmond's below them and West Coast is well, well below both of them. So of the sides outside the eight right now, who comes in and who goes out? I'll give you one. I think Collingwood comes out, ultimately. They're a young list, and to sustain the effort right now, I think, is a big call. I still think the Western Bulldogs come in. Do you? Yeah, I do. They've got Bruce coming back, and I think that's going to help. It was really interesting, but we saw, we've seen Norton's struggles in recent weeks. Not, not, not of his own doing. It's just hard for him up there playing a lone hand. So um, I think they still play finals, the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about the dogs anymore. I was a bit underwhelmed by them on the weekend. I thought that 
Um, they were really sloppy early, and I still wonder whether they really struggle against good tall forwards. You know what? I'm like obviously Gold Coast aren't sitting here listening to this, hanging on every word with bated breath. We should set Gold Coast a challenge. Make the eight. You have enough talent to make the eight. Make the eight. Don't drop away. Don't accept improved. Yeah, and say, look, we almost got there. That was a good year. Yeah, make the eight. Make it a make it a statement for the club for the season. Play in your first final. Um, get Ben King back next year. Get everyone's signature on a piece of paper, and then scare the living daylights out of the competition over the next two years. Interestingly, Carlton in seventh spot now. Sydney ahead of them. St Kilda still in fifth position. Richmond Port this week. It's a big game. It's a very big game. Um, in Melbourne? It's in Melbourne, yeah. MCG Thursday night. Thankfully, oh. we've got Thursday night footy coming back, Duff. Okay. I love my Thursday night footy. Probably tip the Tigers? I'll be picking the Tigers yeah, at the too. MCG Thursday night. I, I reckon it's a fascinating battle. I, I think there's – so the, looking at the ladder upside down that you've got there, I reckon the Dogs, Richmond, Gold Coast, and maybe Port Adelaide, I reckon can make a run at it. Um, I think your boys are a little bit too far back. Oh, Although, no. if they were to pinch a win against Freo this week, and it's going to be wet, yeah, the old wet weather game. Still won't play finals, Hawthorne. Um, not, they're not there yet. They're probably a little bit too far back. Showing up, they're losing. They've lost a couple of close games. Yeah. They're just not quite there. So I don't think Hawthorne plays. I think I don't think Port will play finals. Gold Coast Richmond Dogs definitely can can make it, but I don't. I think anything below that, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced Port can. Yeah. So come on, the Suns. Yeah. No disrespect to the others, but I think it would be great for footy. It would be. If the Suns could clamber in there. Love to see what they did when they got there too. Yeah. They'll be, there's a bit of talent there. Um, Hart goes out to Lockie Weller, by the way. Yeah. Don't you just know when there's no impact and they change direction like that and they yeah. buckle? You just know what it is straight away. Oh, it was horrible, wasn't it, to watch? Yeah. And you see him punching the ground. How many times have you seen that? Yeah. And you know straight away, oh, that's an ACL. Sean McManus, when he did his, they reckon he was sitting in the dugout punching his knee. You know why he's punching his knee? Why? Because there's that whole story about the ACL that it hurts like hell for 30 seconds, then it doesn't hurt at all. He wanted it to keep hurting, so he's pelting the knee to try and keep, oh, so then keep, it's not an ACL. keep the pain going so it wouldn't be an ACL. Have you ever done one? No. I thought I had once. Touch um, wood, I haven't. It was actually at RAAF Pierce playing a game of ammos. And I got a knock to the side of the knee and fair dinkum, it felt like my leg was broken and it must have just tweaked a nerve. I rolled around like a, well, it's like a not a very tough man oh, on the okay. ground for, for several minutes. Then I got escorted off or helped off the ground and then about 20 minutes later I was back on. <laughs> so not, not my finest moment, Glenn. Well, now it's time for this stuff. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel Mailbag. Thank you again for all your mail. Thank you to Thirsty Camel and Gage Roads Albie Draft. We'll be giving a carton away on Thursday. Please keep your email short and let us know if you're from Western Australia or not. If you're not, you can't win a carton. Uh, it's, a, it's too long a drive over from Victoria and particularly overseas. But here's a couple this week. This one from Lee Howran. Hello, gents. I am from North Carolina, USA. So unfortunately, no beer for me. For weeks, there has been rampant speculation of who would need to sit when Nat Fife returns. I think there is a simpler solution for Frio given their depth this year. 
Why not have a planned schedule of managing players towards the back end of the season? You can start with David Mundy. Give him a couple of weeks off with the bye. It just seems like a good way to keep more players involved at the senior level while allowing your best players a bit of rest down the stretch. This works as long as the Dockers stay reasonably healthy. Stuff. Yeah, I have no problem with that. And in fact, um, it surprises me that more clubs don't do this. We've sort of seen Geelong do it a little bit when they were really flying and they'd get to, you know, 15 and 1 or something like that. And then they'd start, just they'd sit one or two down every week, bring one or two in, rotate the list, give, give people a bit of a spell. Have no issue with that whatsoever. Um, clubs do like continuity. But I do suspect that, let's say, if Fremantle were to play. Nathan Fife this week and they were to say to David Mundy how about you take this week and next week off and so basically have a three week break where you recharge your batteries recharge your body and then we get you ready for uh, a tilt at the back end of the season and maybe even then when you come back maybe play two and then be the Medi sub they may well do that against Hawthorne Um, I reckon that wouldn't be a bad way to go about it Um, so he's the change for Fife perhaps yeah, maybe. I look. Darcy Tucker's struggling. He's mm. he's a wingman playing in the high half forward role, not adjusting well. He messed up a few things on the weekend. Um, I still think that Darcy. It's a difficult role to play, and I feel for him a little bit because it's not the one he's naturally built to play. But I also think Darcy, you've been in the system about six years now. You should have figured out how long you've got to get rid of the ball. Mm. because he still takes too long too often to get rid of the ball um, and often puts himself in difficult and compromised situations as a result of that. So um, if you don't listen to what the competition tells you, the competition will get you. Uh, Martin Cole from East Vic Park writes, after reading Kane Corn's article about the hard times at Port Adelaide and questioning whether the Eagles need a new hard-edged coach, would it be conceivable to employ, wait for it, Justin Langer? as coach to bring that edge he would have two very good footy brains underneath him in Knights and Schofield for the footy side of the job well he is on the Eagles board but uh, I don't think so so here's a question why is he on the Eagles board what does Justin Langer bring to the Eagles board he brings um, experience of leadership experience of coaching a uh, a team uh, I don't know I think I don't, I don't have a problem with Justin Langer on the board isn't doesn't he? Because he's not a football person. Well, I just think he's a cricket person. He's an opening batsman. He became a cricket coach. Brother played for Subi. Yeah, Jonathan. Mm. Yeah, good chiropractor. I don't know. I I, I think sometimes if you have people come from the outside, it it can't hurt. It just shakes up your opinion a little bit. I don't mind it so much. Yeah, but they have to bring a skill set. So to me, bring a skill set. So to me, the business people on the board bring a skill set. Uh, Rowan Jones brings footy now, so I think they should have another footy person on that board. Um, you know, there'll be a there'll be a lawyer on there. Um, I haven't sort of gone through them and worked mm. out who's who in the zoo, but um, there'll be a lawyer on there. There'll be a commercial person on there. There'll be business people on there. There'll be Rowan Jones is a footy person on there. They'll need. Um, uh, Ben White gives them political connections and he also gives them um, an Indigenous connection. They've got women on there that gives them the, um, the connection with uh, women and also those women are very capable business people and, in fact, I think, um, you know, we talk about Liz Gaines being on the board now, um, but Zoe, I don't know whether I can pronounce her surname, who worked for Shell, she probably would have been the next chairman and she had to go overseas for a position. So all those... Boxes a tick. I'm just not sure Justin Langer ticks a box mm. on the Eagles board. I think a, a 
big game experience. We played through world, uh, coached through World Cups, played through them all. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind coming in from the outside with a different sort of opinion, uh, coming in from different angles. Don't mind it. Okay. Uh, this one from Bruno. And incidentally, yes. we, he should n- under no circumstances coach the team. No. In answer to the question, no, no, which we no. got sidetracked from. No, no. Uh, hi, lads. Uh, asking this question about the Eagles as a concerned Frio fan here. That's very nice of you, um, Bruno. If the Eagles and or Simpson decide to part ways this season, do you believe Jamie Graham will be the first number called? And if so, how much is an assistant coach's contract worth in that situation? Love your work, lads. Regards, Bruno. P.S. I'm living in South Australia, Wyala, so please don't consider this question for the slab, Bruno. Use the term slab because you're from the eastern states. It's a carton. We well done, Bruno. Honor system. They're owning up to that. Yes, well done. Um, it's a good question. Basically, every assistant coach, every senior assistant coach that's in the running for senior coaching positions has an understanding with the club that if they get a senior position, yep. the contract becomes null and void. No club would stand in the way of a person. And you know what, Jamie Graham, I'm told, interviewed very impressively for the. Um, the Collingwood senior coach's position and was down to the last three or four. And we've seen what an impressive winning candidate Craig McRae has been in that position. So I think the Eagles, in the hypothetical situation that Adam Simpson were to move on, and I think he would have to voluntarily move on because I don't think the club is talking about moving him on. Uh, But in in the hypothetical position that he decided to move on, um, I think Jamie Graham would and should be one of the first phone calls that West yeah, Coast makes. along with, obviously, Jared Schofield, who's there at the moment. And I'll throw another name in there, um, Don Pike. Don Pike would be, yeah, absolutely. And look, we, we talk about that guy's written in as a concerned Freo fan. So Jamie Graham would effectively be returning to the club he played for. Mm. Justin Longmuir did that at Fremantle after being an assistant coach at West Coast and Collingwood. High Duff and Squirrel. The squirrel. I like that. With the exception of most of the... Lucky you've got those small hands so you can't do the squirrel grip. Oh, yes. No, I've never done the squirrel grip. (laughs) I'll leave that up to Terry Wheeler. Uh, With the exception of most of this season, Fremantle's scoring capacity has always been their limiting factor. So as a Dockers fan, I always get nervous when half of our best six are missing, particularly against good teams. Walters, Tabiner, Switkowski on the weekend. Is the move of Logue forward something that can or should be made permanent to try and keep a player of that calibre and flexibility at the club? He looks like he has natural forward instincts and his aerial capability would have to be up there with the best. Thoughts? I love that email. That's from Julian from South Perth. I don't mind him up in the forward line. Don't mind him? Yeah. I reckon it's the move of the year. Yeah. Move of the year? Yeah. Always competes. Always gets the ball on the deck. Very good once the ball hits the deck. Has a massive tank so he can push up the ground, get the ball on the wing. Um, And we know the reasons why Justin was having trouble fitting him into the back half. He wasn't saying he couldn't play. He was basically saying, I want speed on the ball. I want quick movement out of defence, big bounce. And Griffin's just not that player. Um, And other players that were in the back seven either equal to or marginally ahead of him, were more like that type of player. So for Justin to get the brand of footy he wanted played, it was hard for him to fit Griffin into his back seven. Incidentally, on the flip side of the... So the flip side of the Logue move against Brisbane is who has been the nominated opponent for Charlie Cameron the last few times they played him. 
Griffin Logue, who did an outstanding job on Charlie Cameron. On yeah, the Brandon Walker. I know Charlie kicked three. He did kick three, yeah. No, look, he did, and he was often, you could see, even outpaced at times, but still managed to show a bit of guile, get his body between him and the ball. So it was a pretty good performance. Yeah, Charlie Cameron can kick three goals on the best, very best of players, and he can do it really quickly. So I, I don't think three goals is a disaster by any means. No, and I, I actually reckon not outpaced. Do you? I, I reckon a couple of times outpaced. I know he's quick, Brandon Walker, but he is super quick, Charlie Cameron. Yeah, I reckon there was one where Charlie got goal side. You reckon he just got ahead? Yeah, okay. And I reckon, I reckon Walker had evened up the foot race by the time they got back to the ball. Um, Wouldn't mind seeing a 100-metre sprint at the end of the season just with the very quickest AFL players. Forget about this grand final sprint where you, you have your, you know, your reserves players and what have you. Wouldn't mind seeing that. You know who won it a few years, a um, couple of years back? One Ben King. Mm. That's a bit scary, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 202 centimetres and the quickest bloke in the AFL. It is, it is. That's a bit yeah. frightening. yeah. Um, no, that's that's a great call. I love the move of Logue forward. Be interesting to see how they work it when Tabana comes back. Um, I suspect it means that they can't play Meek. What did you think of the two ruck? Uh, look, I, I always think it works okay. I, certainly not required this week against Hawthorne. Uh, mm. I think Ned Reeves is Hawthorne's ruckman second week back. Hawthorne hasn't had a ruckman all year, so no no requirement for two ruckmen this week. I like it. I like Lloyd Meek. I think he's got a lot of potential. Me too. I think that um, Freo needs to, if they could lock Lloyd Meek away for another year, great. Um, but I think sooner or later, Lloyd Meek's going to want to play somewhere and lead the ruck. Here's one. Just on the ruck, um, just a little segue for a moment. Uh, Darcy Cameron's form at Collingwood. Oh, what, what are they going to do with Brody Grundy? Now, Dathan Buckley flagged this before he departed Collingwood. Yep. Grundy could, you could get a lot for him on the open market. Yeah, I think they should explore it. Mm. I think they should explore it. Whether they look at, say, if if Geelong comes up yes, short again. Geelong. And they need the Ruckman, I, I think I'd be ringing Geelong and asking the question. Um, because I've, I've loved Darcy Cameron's development. And you know the other great thing about Darcy Cameron? Darcy Cameron can go forward and catch it, and he's a really, really good kick. Mm. Darcy Cameron doesn't miss many. No, he's a good player. That's for sure. Uh Hi, guys. Great pods, by the way, so thanks. You're very welcome. Uh, can you explain if the AFL is so adamant about protecting the head, why was Buddy's ban less than Switter's? That's from Rob. That's a really good question, you know. Like, the Switkowski one, we know they don't like the chicken wing, but I maintain that the Switkowski one started as a tackle because Ginevan likes to shrug him up. And so how do you stop them from shrugging the tackle up? You grab the arm. And then he did something naughty when he had him on the ground. He stuck the half Nelson on him, which made it the chicken wing tackle. There's no let up, is there? He was at it again at the weekend, Ginevan. Yeah, and he's not getting free kicks anymore, Yeah, which is exactly what we predicted, you know, the week before, that sooner or later the umpires would get a hold of him. Sooner or later the opposition players would start to get a hold of him. And the next step along, quarters, will be he'll get the chat from teammates. And yes. the chat from teammates will be... We're sick and tired of getting caught in malaise because you're a smart ass, and you'll get the chat from the coach, and the chat from the coach will be, you're not going to, you're not going to get free kicks once the umps realise you're playing for him. I actually, I, I really like him. Do you think Cody Waitman will be getting the chat from his Western Bulldogs teammate? Same that thing. is worse. Yep. They just complete dives. He might get a fine or at worst suspension if he keeps doing that. Aerial starfish. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> yeah, it's a good aerial starfish. Oh, hi, gents. Love the podcast, your thoughts and insights. As an optimistic Eagles supporter, 
there's still one out there, Duff, who continues to speak with others that all except this year isn't for us and we all just want to see some fight in the dog to play our games with some mongrel and commitment to each other. If we lose, no worries, just make sure we tried. My biggest frustration is we are not playing our players for the future. Why would we put Greg Clark out on a wing and not in the guts? It pains me as well to see us putting games into players who are unlikely to be with us next season. I'm keen for a fitter list in the second half of the season to see what the Eagles do to help transition our list to a more competitive side in 2023. Thanks, as always, Byron Forbes from Parmelia. Um, it's a really email, good email, Byron. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of things to unwrap here, isn't there? Um, the first thing is is that I think they did show some fight on the weekend, but they still have the capacity to play that absolute stinker of a quarter quarters, which on the weekend was the first one, which made all the others pretty much irrelevant, um, apart from a 10-minute burst in the last quarter where they actually got within four goals and you thought, oh, gee, hang on, if everything lined up for them, they could actually come over the top here. But, um, yeah, that that bothers me. The, the fluctuations in perceived effort, that bothers me a fair bit with West Coast. As far as the... So what do you do with Josh Kennedy and Shannon Hearn, for example? They're the ones who clearly won't be there next year. So do you say to them, look, we don't think there's much percentage and you're going all the way to the end. You'll get your money anyway. Um, can we play you in a farewell game at Optus Stadium in front of the home crowd? Um, and then we go to you know, Hugh Dixon and Jack Darling as our forward structure for the rest of this season. Um, in fairness to West Coast, they've probably had to, because of the number of their injuries and the, the Darth of available players, they've probably had to say to Josh, we actually need you to play full forward because we don't have that many options at the moment. They're just starting to get to a stage. I think they had seven in the waffle on the weekend. I think there's suggestion they'll have 15 Did they, in the um, waffle this weekend. Uh, would Josh Kennedy have played on if Jack Darling hadn't had the preseason he had? Uh, yes, I think he would have, but he did need some persuading, I'm told, and he also made it clear to them that if they had to go into a hub, he had no interest. As far as a farewell game, who was the first derby? Was it a home game for the Eagles? Yeah, it would be Fremantle's home game. So that's no good. Do they play Carlton? Have they played Carlton at Optus this year? Uh, if they do, that they would be a played, good option. They, they haven't played Carlton yet. I should have looked at the fixture, but that would be a good option, wouldn't it? I'll go on while, while we're looking that up. Um, this one... Just remind Carlton of what they lost. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they got Judd. They did. It was pretty good for them. But Judd retired in 2014, Glenn. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, this one from Chris... Christopher Walker, I'm led to believe a wealthy AFL club, a.k.a. West Coast, can spend more soft cap than other clubs. They just get taxed more. Is that correct? And if so, why aren't the Eagles spending more, seeking out the best possible recruiting list managers, strength and conditioning teams and development coaches in the land? Well, yes, they can, but you're paying 100 cents or you're paying 100% every dollar over the cap, aren't you? So here's the thing, and this actually dovetails a little bit into something I wrote at the weekend about the commission structure and the lack of accountability for West Coast. Um, it is a soft cap, and so therefore you can go over and blow it. You just have to cough up the money. But as it stands, that is not a good look for a club that's owned by someone else because they're supposed to be handing over part of profits 
to the WA Football Commission, even though I would argue they hand over a very, very small percentage of their profits. And the major issue with WA Footy is that they have to get more money out of West Coast, um, which if you're looking for an agenda behind what I was writing at the weekend is pretty much the agenda behind it. Let's hold West Coast more accountable. Let's get more money out of them. And if that means making them privately owned, then let's do that. Let's just get eight, ten million dollars out of them before they even start operating each year. And then West Coast can go about their business. And the group of business people that are running the club, who, let's face it, run the club now and control the club now, they can do whatever they like. They can harvest their money or they can save their money um, or they can spend their money. Um, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, but yes, the answer is yes, they can. It's just not a great look uh, when you are owned by the WA Football Commission and you start blowing a stipulated budget to get a competitive advantage that probably won't be accurately reflected on the scoreboard anyway, given the current state of their playing list. All right. Well, thank you very much for all your emails. Please keep them coming and send them into this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Before we go, who do you reckon is our clubhouse leader? Our clubhouse leader? Jesus. I, I like the Eagles guy. Yeah. The Parmelia, the guy from Parmelia. Like it, yep. So you're the clubhouse leader. West Coast might win something this year. Good effort. Speaking of clubhouse leaders, we should salute Minji Lee too. Yeah, US she's US Open champion. And here's a prediction. We'll win more majors than any other Australian player by the time she retires. Yeah, I'll give you another prediction. I don't think she'll play for as long as you reckon. I reckon Minji Lee, from, from what I'm told about people close to her, she might be a bit of an Ash Barty, where she might step away from the game a little bit sooner than you think. Isn't it remarkable how consistent Minji Lee and Hannah Green, another WA product, are. They've now got three majors between them, mm. and every time you look up, and I do this thing on every Monday morning, I look up the PGA to see how the Aussies have gone, and I look up the LPGA to see how mainly the West Aussies have gone. And Minji Lee and Hannah Green, you rarely have a weekend where they're not in the top 20 in a tournament. And well done to Richie Smith, the very celebrated and decorated WA coach as well. Duff, it would be remiss of me before we leave not to mention something. Uh, let's cue some music. I believe today is a significant anniversary for you. Yes, it is. And it's not the Queen's bloody whatever it is, Jubilee. I like the Queen's Jubilee. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm a... I'm a Republican. So am I, but... Not a royalist. But this was, this was over in England. I like the royals in England. Elizabeth Key will always be Betty's jetty to yes, me. Yes, yes, fair call. We don't name things after people in Perth. But I think they... Because like, she turned up to a sausage sizzle. Anyway, we Sorry. digress. What's your anniversary? 40 years today since I had my first day of work as a journalist at the South West Times in Bunbury. Wow. Yep. You're going to celebrate it in any way? No, I'm too old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in answer Congratulations, to that mate. Can I say you, uh, journalism is lucky you picked it for a career, so um, well done. Yes, and footy is lucky I didn't pick it as a career because <laughs> that was the alternative. I was either going to, going to Perth to play footy for South Fremantle um, or I was going to be a, a journalist. And my father sat me down and had the talk. And given the calibre of football I played after that, I made the right decision. Good decision. Well done. Congratulations. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we have been brought to you by Tab Touch. 
those with the touch. You can better your bet by downloading the Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 with any difficulties you encounter. We'll be back on Thursday to try and tip you a winner or two and talk about the fast-rising issues in footy. And until then, enjoy your week. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable. 